I don't think this is going to be a good sermon, but I'm going to try to get through it. Um, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, I just need to preach the sermon and not talk. Um, it's flown by. It's been uh, it's been hard at times, but it's been worth it. Um, I don't really know how to say goodbye um, to people I felt this close to. So, I'm not going to. Um, I'll see you later. Everything will be okay. Uh, you, you guys have encouraged me extremely. I've never seen members so faithful and so loving and so caring. And uh, I appreciate everything that you've done for me and for my family. Um, I can't say anything else. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm not, I don't feel like this is moving from a you know to greener pastures. I feel like I'm. I feel like the Christians in Saraland are great, and I'm excited to go work with them. But um, I'm definitely going to miss you guys, and um, I appreciate what each of you have done for us. And I want you to know that. Um, how do you say goodbye to a mentor, right? Uh, I've got, in my mind, the greatest mentor I could have. Uh, and, and I appreciate everything that Brent's done for me. And uh, how far I've come is primarily due to him and uh, his willingness to, to say what I needed to hear. And I appreciate everything he's done for me very much. Uh, we're going to study the book of Second Timothy tonight. I'm trying to figure out what am I going to talk about. Um, so I'm just going to do the thing that I've enjoyed doing most uh, since I've been here, and, and we're going to try to look at this book as a whole, and maybe that'll be easier for me and I'll be able to get through it all. Um, because this is a good book. Why, why would I choose it? What, what book would I choose? If I was going to go through a whole book, which one should I choose? Well, Second Timothy makes sense. Uh, it's not um, saying, Timothy saying goodbye to his mentor, but it's... Paul, the mentor, saying goodbye to Timothy and, and relaying all the things that I think Timothy has been supposed to have learned throughout his time with Paul. They spent about 15 years together. Imagine that training program. Uh, 15 years with Paul, of all people. I don't think anybody signed up for that. Uh, but Timothy spent 15 years with Paul. And at, this, at the time that this letter was written... Uh, Paul is in prison, and it's not the Acts uh, 28 prison where he's on house arrest, but he's in chains. And he's telling Timothy, it does not look good. (laughs) And so I need you to come to me quickly. It seems as though this will be one of the last letters that Paul would be writing uh, and, and, and sending to Timothy. And so what does he say to those who have been under to the one who's been under his tutelage well uh, these are the things that I've learned from Brent as he's been my mentor and these are the things I hope you've kind of learned from me but if not then I want to help you to learn them and and hope that they stick with you as we study together uh, tonight start out in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 and look at verse 3 he says I thank God whom I serve As did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. 
I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. As Paul's writing this letter, what we see him saying to Timothy is, I'm remembering you. I'm thinking about you a lot. I've been praying for you. I remember how you've loved me. You think about Timothy and how Timothy is this genuine, uh, genuinely caring person. And, and in Philippians, Paul, Paul writes about Timothy and says, There's nobody like him who has been so concerned for your well-being and, and taking care uh, to, to, to think about you and to be considerate of you. And, and Timothy is now having to deal with the fact that Paul is in prison again and it doesn't look good. That's, what, that's the basis of all of this. And Can you imagine how hurt Timothy would be to lose Paul? Uh, how, how much that would, that would grieve him to lose someone who he's known for so long and who he's been through so much with. But what does Paul say to him? Paul, Paul tells him, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. This letter is intended to encourage Timothy, who's going to be brokenhearted, and to help him to focus on what's most important. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. That's what Timothy needs to do. He needs to be focused on what it is that's in front of him, what his whole life's mission is about. This whole letter is intended to encourage Timothy to press on in spite of losing someone he loves. As we, as we look at this, I want to, I want to understand what, how Paul is, is encouraging and pressing for Timothy to just focus on what's most important and be sure to, to do the work God's given you to do and be sure to do it in the right way. It's not enough to just do the work, but to do it in the right way. And so he starts to tell him how he needs to do this work. In verse 7, He says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul tells Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. What's happening to me, it may be discouraging to you. It may be something that's hard for you to deal with. And and you may be frightened that this could indeed happen to you, Timothy. That you also will be punished in this way just for preaching and just for teaching people. That you would suffer. But remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. This needs to be this that your attitude. In the work that you're about to do. Not being timid. Not being afraid. Because you know God has given you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. He's given us very great promises. And He's going to talk about these promises throughout this letter. That is encouraging to us to look beyond this life. To look beyond this suffering. To a greater hope. And to a greater joy. So we have no reason to be afraid. And He also says... There's no reason to be ashamed. 
There's no reason to be ashamed about the testimony of the Lord that, that you've been given the uh, gift of, of preaching and proclaiming. There's no reason to be ashamed about me, his prisoner. That's interesting that Paul doesn't say the Roman prisoner, but he says his prisoner. Paul's talking to Timothy and telling him, the Lord suffered greatly. Brent's been going through this. The cross of Christ. It's great shame, right? It's, it's, a, it's a cross. It's a punishment for a criminal. And here's Paul about to go through punishment as a criminal. This would be a shameful thing. It would be something that everybody would look down on. And everybody would be thinking, that person shunned from society. And many people will turn away from Paul. And he says in verse 15, You're aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. He is aware that there are many who will turn away from me as I've gone on proclaiming the truth and preaching the truth. But he points to somebody. Notice verse 16, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the day of the of, on that from the Lord on that day, and you well and you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You see, Paul knows that there are many people who are ashamed of him, but he knows that there are some who are faithful who are not ashamed of him. You picture Onesimus going throughout Rome, Roman prisons where all the murderers and all the thieves and all these terrible rapists and people are and looking for Paul and being willing to be joined with him as he's been enchained uh, along with those people. And not only that, but he's not afraid of the, the punishment that might happen because he's joining himself to this Paul. Paul even says that he's not, he's not ashamed of himself. Uh, verse 12, uh, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. You see the picture of Paul saying, I know who I am. I know where I'm, what I'm here for. I know what my purpose is in this life. I know what I've been called to do. And I'm not ashamed of all this suffering and things that might be shameful to other people. And I think the message is very clear to us, as, as it is to Timothy. We cannot be afraid or ashamed to go out into this world and to let our light shine. This kind of sets up the whole letter. And it's very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew, in Mark chapter 8, where He talks about, um, you know, it's, it's not worth it to, to gain the whole world and then lose your soul. And then He says, the one who's ashamed of Me, the Son of Man will be ashamed with uh, on that day. And Paul says something very similar in this letter. I want to think tonight about the idea of being ashamed and how to avoid going down the path of being ashamed of the Lord and being ashamed of the work that God has given us the ministry to do. Not everybody here is an evangelist like Timothy. We haven't had our uh, Paul lay his hands on us to give us any kind of gifting or anything like that. But Paul is saying, I want you to fan into flame the work that God has given you to do, and I don't want you to be ashamed to do it. To do the work that God has given you to do. But how are we going to do that? 
How are we going to do the work knowing that those around us are going to look down on us? Knowing that those around us are not going to appreciate the love that we're trying to show them as we try to share the truth of them, as we try to build them up and bring them into the fold. That's what Paul writes this letter to Timothy about. All these things that he's probably taught Timothy throughout the years. He's now reiterating to Timothy. Look at chapter 2. Both both chapters 2 and 3 will talk about this idea. How do you avoid shame and doing the work that God has given you to do? Verse 1 he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... In trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In that very first uh, verse, you get the picture that Paul says, you want to avoid strength, avoid shame. The first thing that you need to do is you need to be strengthened. You need strength to do the work that God has given you to do. Uh, but notice how he says we're going to get the strength. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What does all of this mean? How often have we felt afraid to speak to those around us? I mean, each and every one of us can relay the gospel in some level if we've accepted it. How often are we afraid to do those kind of things? How often do we feel kind of ashamed of our Christianity? How often do we feel weak and unable to speak appropriately or to say the things that need to be said? We need strength. And we find strength in this letter, he says, in Christ Jesus. There is strength that is in Christ Jesus. He says, let the grace that is in Christ strengthen you. God has given us this great gift to bring about our boldness. Paul kind of referred to this by saying he's given us a spirit of power. The grace of God, the gift of God is that we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be ashamed anymore. Because what God has given to us, whatever that ministry is, is able to accomplish more than we can accomplish. Look at what he says as you, as you continue. Look at what he says in verse uh, 10. Oh, verse 9 at the end. But the Word of God is not bound. Paul says, I'm suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the Word of God is not bound. Here's Paul in a prison cell feeling, I mean, how helpless would you feel? Sitting in a prison cell, unable to do anything, unable to reach out, unable to teach, unable to, uh, you know, evangelize or, or reach anybody. And he says, the Word of God is not bound. They have bound me. I feel bound. I feel restricted in so many ways. Unable to do so many things that I want to do. But I know the Word of God is not bound. That I can do more than it seems like I can do. And so verse 10 he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, Paul is is looking at himself in the situation and saying, the grace of Christ is in... I've, I've received grace in this situation. I've received an opportunity. I have the ability to preach. I have the ability to speak to those around me. And I'm going to do that. 
Even in this situation, in every situation, I'm going to do that. I'm going to endure everything for the sake of the elect. I'm going to do everything I can to bring all those who are lost into Christ. Because God has given us His Word that's able to convert and save those who are lost to the uttermost. Paul is telling this to Timothy because this is what Jesus told him. Jesus told him in in Acts 18, verses 9 through 11... That he would, he, he's in Corinth, okay? Imagine yourself just arriving in Corinth and you got some converts going, that's great, but it's Corinth. I mean, you know the church at Corinth, the stuff that they've done. And this is what Jesus tells Paul in Corinth. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people And he stayed there for six months teaching the Word of God among them. So what does this mean for us? How do we avoid shame? Well, we need strength. And we need strength through understanding the grace that God has given us in Christ. Not just to save us from our sins, but to be with us and to help us in in whatever situation we're in to have strength that's beyond our own strength to be able to reach out to those who are lost. We might be suffering, as Paul says here, but but we're enduring those things for the sake of the elect, that others might be brought into the fold. So Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened. Verse 11, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless... He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. There's a picture very much like what we saw in Mark that God will not be denied. And that's not okay for us to deny Him and deny the work and the gifts that God has put in us. But that if we will be faithful, He is always faithful. If we will turn back to Him, He is always willing to accept us in. And that grace, that that love drives us knowing that He loves us, that He cares for us. But not only do we need to be strong, we also need to be honorable. In verse 14, he says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So Timothy, when you go out there, I want you to be strong. I want you to feel like it doesn't matter who they are or how far lost they are, that God can bring anybody into His fold. Uh, but I also want you to be, be willing to handle yourself and present yourself in the most honorable way. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in Bible class. And, and you might think as you're reading that, how do we present ourselves to God as one approved? That's the way that Paul words this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. We not only need to be strong, I mean, being strong is is important, but we don't need so much strength that we overpower people. That's not the kind of strength it's talking about. We need strength to do what is right when it's not easy. 
To do what is honorable. To do what is pleasing to God. And in this case, what he's pointing to is avoid irreverent babble. Uh, don't quarrel about words. Don't do things that, that people around you might be persuading you to do. Whenever we get afraid, whenever we're in a discouraged state or whenever we're out on our own and and we're trying to do whatever the ministry is that God has given us to do, we're being tempted. As, they, as those around us, uh, they persecute or they, they act out against us as they try to push us uh, in a direction that's different from the direction that God wants us to go. We're being tempted to, to fall away, to, to stop honoring God as we should. And, and as Timothy is going through all of this, imagine him losing Paul. And not just losing Paul, but losing Paul in a shameful way that, that all those around him, those preachers around him are all doing other things. They're kind of turning their back on Paul. And they're considering those who follow Paul to be troublemakers. And they're trying to avoid the punishment that Paul is receiving. And here Paul tells Timothy that you're going to be tempted to enter into some kind of irreverent babble with them. Uh, They're going to want to quarrel with you about words. And I don't want you to be tempted to do any of those things. I want you to do what is honorable. I want you to show real strength. Real strength does what is honorable with patience in the face of those who are rebelling and those who are evil against you. It responds with gentleness. And he says that verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Uh, that God may perhaps lead them, grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Paul wants Timothy to show an inner strength that is willing to do what is hard when those around him are opposing him. Uh, And and verse 22 he says, Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The life that gives in to the dishonorable behavior... A life that reacts to those who are against us, that, that responds in a way that's hurtful or, or harsh toward those around us who are harsh toward us, is giving in to dishonor. It's, it's acting in a way that's ungodly, instead of being godly, instead of being honorable. And, and Paul wants Timothy to avoid that. He wants him to avoid the shame that goes along with that. There's shame and weakness and there's shame and dishonor. And he says, if you'll cleanse yourself from this dishonor, then you will be put to use and you'll be ready for every good work. Whatever our ministry is, let us do it honorably. Maybe that those around us don't appreciate the work that we're doing. It may be that those around us are against us or they're trying to quarrel with us or work work in a way that, that really gets under our skin. Maybe that those around us uh, don't don't respond the way that we think they should. We're trying to show them love. We're trying to serve them, and they act in a way that's begrudging our our help. Well, make sure you don't do anything dishonorable. That's the way that he puts it. Real strength does what is honorable with patience, and when they're when they're acting as ungodly as they do, know this. 
God may grant them repentance. He may pluck their heart through your honorable actions that they would turn away from their sin and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But is that always going to work out? We kind of pointed to this a little bit this morning in Bible class. What about, what about people who just will not listen? What about people who are just constantly doing what is evil and they're constantly trying to provoke us to wrath and, and to doing things that we don't need to do? Well, if you keep reading, you know this. He says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid them. Wait a second. I thought, you know, we're Christians. We're supposed to bear along with people. We're supposed to be, you know, really working to to convert everybody, to save every soul. And, And we're supposed to be compassionate and merciful. Well, Paul tells us here, there is a place where we must draw a line. We must stop... Being the gentle, compassionate, uh, patient person and not respond by retaliating or being mean to them. That's never okay. That's dishonorable. But just avoid them. And he says this is, this is a wise, this is a wise thing to do. He's telling us use wisdom. Yes, we want to be patient and we want to rightly handle the word of truth and we want to uh, correct them with gentleness. But there comes a point where somebody is just not going to listen. And and verse 7, he kind of points points to, these people, or verse 6, are going in and they're capturing weak women. They're causing problems with other people. So our patience should not go on forever because there are people out there who they might harm. So we have to draw a line in the sand. I've been here for two years. There's been a few people who've done that. There's been a few people who have, have uh, visited here who have tried to just take over, tried to just domineer. And, and they're not what we used in, in the evangelism class. They're not sincere seekers. They're, they're sincere in whatever it is they believe. <laughs> but they're not sincerely seeking what the truth is. And so they're trying to change and they're not listening. And this is what he says, verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. As we're doing our ministry, as we're reaching out, as we're trying to help those around us in whatever way that we do, we need to know that these kinds of people will bring us down. They will cause us shame. If we allow them to go on, they will damage us. They will uh, ruin our lives. They will consume our lives if we let them. Don't let them. Avoid them. It's okay. Paul here is, is stating clearly, Timothy, you don't have to pursue them to the point where they're hurting you. Let them go. It's okay. And he says their folly will be plain to all. 
Everybody's going to see what it is that they're doing. You know, I've asked a number of preachers this whenever uh, they come over or, or I've had the opportunity to talk to them. How do you handle somebody who is coming in and trying to spread some kind of a false teaching or something like that? Or how do you handle somebody who's just doesn't seem like they're sincere at all? Like they're 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 seeking, but they don't they don't really care about those truths that they don't want to care about. How do you handle them? And Eventually, everybody always points to this parable of Jesus that you don't throw your pearls to the swine. And I think that's right. And that's what Paul's telling, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy here. As you're working, as you're trying to, to glorify God, as you're trying to do whatever it is God's given you the ability to do, don't let those people drag you down and make you ashamed of the, the lack of effectiveness, the lack of fruit that you've been able to produce. All of these things are pointing us to the idea that there's a work that we all can do, but we need to be careful about the way that we do it. You know, we want strength. We want to be strong. And we want to be focused. And we don't want to think that everybody around us is, is lost and there's no hope of us doing our ministry and throw up our hands and get discouraged. We want to do what's honorable whenever they're sinning against us, whenever doing bad things, and we want to do what's wise. And at some point, we have to decide where to draw that line. That's hard. All of that is hard. But notice what he says in verses 10 through 17. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, My aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here Paul says, you followed me, you know what to do. All of this is hard. The idea of having to deal with ungodly people, the idea of having to be strong, the idea of having to be wise, all of these things are hard as we're doing whatever it is that we're given to do. As we're evangelizing, as we're talking to people and trying to encourage people to do what's right. All of it's hard. But notice how Paul says, Timothy, you followed me. You've you've experienced the way that I've lived my life and you now understand what it's like to be a Christian, to be godly. How hard should the Christian life be? How hard should it be? Notice again what he said in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Does that say, indeed, all preachers who desire to live a godly... <laughs> you know, you kind of get the, the thought throughout all this that, yeah, this is to Timothy. He's a preacher, right? What's the application to us? But all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. On one level, if we're, if we're pursuing godliness, if we're willing to stand up and to say what's right, if we're willing to do what's honorable when life is hard... If we're willing to be wise and to avoid those who are causing us harm, then it's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough life. 
But Paul says, you have me. You have all my instructions. You have everything I've been sharing with you uh, since, since you were converted and since I brought you along with me. You notice uh, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. You've been through it all. You guys don't have that close relationship uh, with Paul. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have the ability to follow him and see how he handles all these situations. But there are godly people here. And I want to encourage you to connect with someone who's godly and to share with one another your struggles. Because what Paul has with Timothy is what Timothy needs to get through the hard things that he's going to have to go through to be a godly person. And this is what I feel like I've been able to get in the two years with Brent. That I've got somebody who I can rely on, who I can talk to, who I can share my struggles with. And as, you, as you're going through life, don't do it alone. I think that's the main point as you see this, is that Timothy did not do it alone. Timothy had Paul helping him along the way. He just needs to be diligent in the things that he has learned. And you guys, as we come together and we share and we teach one another, be diligent in those things as we learn from each other and we experience these things. But also be diligent in Scripture. He goes on and he says that you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, verse 15, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And he says, all Scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You want to avoid shame in your life and in your ministry. Continue to progress in your study of the Scriptures. And the way he words this is interesting. All Scripture, you know, the sacred writings. The Old Testament's included in this. The sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. I've learned this here. The Old Testament's full of wisdom and understanding about salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That, that, that Timothy could go back to the Old Testament writings and understand that the wisdom of God and see how he can endure and, and, and deal with the persecution of the godly. Because that's, that's what they all have gone through. Timothy, you're just joining the group. You're joining me and, and all those prophets who've gone before me who have been persecuted and suffered for righteousness' sake. And that's the picture that he gives us. That we need to be continuing to move forward toward perfection. That we need to be continually making changes in our lives. That we're uh, finding reproof and correction and righteousness, training in righteousness throughout our studies and our relationships with one another. Chapter 4 is the climax of the book. He says, uh, I want you notice there's a there's a uh, charge right here at the first. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Here's a charge from Paul to Timothy to, to preach the Word, to do the work that God has given you the ability to do, to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. And he says that this is what I'm charging you to do. That's why this whole letter is written. Do your ministry. Do what you've been given the, the gift, the ability to do. Well, what if they don't listen to me? You know, that's kind of the way I feel. I'm leaving to go to Sarah Land, and they're great people, and I have no doubts about them. But what if they don't listen to me? You know? 
And you're, you're whatever your ministry is. What if people don't respond in a loving way? What if people don't accept what I'm trying to do for them? What if they reject me? You know, how am I going to deal with this? Well, look what he says in verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the midst. Well, Basically, Paul says, just go ahead and warn you, people aren't going to listen to you. (laughs) People are going to wander away from the truth. But you preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, to avoid the shame that would come if you rejected the gift of God that is in you. Do the work regardless of what they, 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 how they respond. It's going to happen. People are not going to listen. People are not going to do what you want them to do. But do the work anyway. Whatever it is that God has given us the ability to do, we must do it. In verse 6, Paul points to himself and says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Paul's at the end of this saying, this is why I have nothing to be ashamed of. Because I have done the work that God has given me to do in this life, regardless of how it was accepted. And the, the Lord will graciously give me an award. And He'll give all those who love His appearing an award when they do the work that God has given them the ability to do to the best of their ability, avoiding the shame that comes from disobeying. So, this is my letter to you. Fan into flame the work, the gift of God that He has put inside each and every one of you. Whatever that gift is, fan it into flame. I've seen tremendous work in this congregation. Well, whenever I leave, I don't expect that to drop off. I expect that to take off. I expect it to do even more than you've ever done before. Fill up whatever's lacking uh, in my absence. And I don't know if it'll be that much, but fill it up. You know, fan it into flame. Be strong. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All of your opportunities, God is with you in the work that you're doing. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Be honorable. Cleanse yourself for honorable use. Everything you do should be done with honor. Whether they accept you or reject you, if they go up against you and they try to provoke you, remember to maintain gentleness as you correct them. And if they won't listen, be wise and understand if they're not, they're not going to be changed, you need to discern who's a sincere seeker and who's not. Be effective. In your work, let those people go who are not going to listen, who are not going to receive your help. And be diligent. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. <laughs> you, you, you are able to understand all that God has provided you in the Word as you study together. Keep those relationships. Keep pressing on doing the work that God has given you to do. And finally, I'll point you again to Paul's statement in chapter 2, verse 10. Paul said, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. 
This is why he's not ashamed. Because regardless of the outcome, his motivation behind everything he does is, that, is so that the lost can be found and so that the, those who are saved can remain faithful in everything they do. That's why I'm going to Saraland. That's why I came here. That's everything that I want to do is so that those who are lost can be found and those who are saved can be built up in love and good works. And as I look at all of this, I see people who are strong, honorable, wise, diligent, and, and pursuing the elect, pursuing those who are lost, pursuing those who are faithful with reckless abandon in this congregation. And I appreciate your example for me. Uh, and I hope that something in this sermon will help you and, and stick with you. And I think this is a great book to go back to. I'll be studying it often <laughs> as I'm in Sarah Lane. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate your attention tonight. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody here who has uh, not received the grace that God offers you, but He offers it to everybody. It's not uh, bound to just those who seem to have their life put together. You may have your life completely falling apart. Everything's going bad for you. Uh, and and you've, you've failed miserably. And you're, you're the worst of the worst. Well, Paul would say he's the chief among sinners. And yet here he is at the end of his life saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And now there's an award waiting for me. There's an award waiting for all of us who would put away our, our sinful desires and pursue serving God with whatever gift He's given us to do. You have to submit to His will. And if you know what you need to do and, and you want to make that change, we want to help you in any way we can. Please come forward as we stand and sing.